Come on. Welcome to Light Blood. This is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Steve Ohanian. Steve, are you ready to do this? Let's do it. Let's let's go. Steve is the co-founder and director of digital strategy with Web Inertia. They're an Inc. 5000 company, accelerating, elevating, empowering, enhancing, transforming, and driving B2B brands with digital brand experiences and web design. Steve, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Sure. Um, so I'll start in the mid-90s. I was really obsessed with designing and building websites. It was all the hype and I really got into it while at the same, same time trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. I was tried going to school for aerospace engineering and dropped out of that and started a rock band, quit that. And at the whole time I was doing all this stuff, I was designing and building websites. And it's, I was really intrigued with the concept of the World Wide Web and this interconnected system of pages and information that really anyone could contribute to. Uh, and you use art design along with technology to create something. And that all, that all really fascinated me and excited me. So I eventually went back to school to study uh, graphic design and computer science. And while I was in school, my business partner and I, who was coincidentally my best friend growing up, started web inertia awesome so you didn't necessarily set out to do this but it all worked out i am definitely an accidental entrepreneur <laughs> i didn't set out to start and grow a business i started because i really love what i was doing so that's how it started well nice that's awesome and do you still oh and well for me the challenges are really different i'm a ceo now so i don't get to design as much and uh, I am a very hands-on to the detriment of my team. <laughs> um, I tend to be hands-on on some things, but I actually love that it's different challenges for me now than it was before. So now it's all about creating an environment that my people are proud of to be part of, creating great work, creating an experience for our clients, um, different challenges as a CEO than I was when it was just me and my partner designing and building sites. Yeah. Yeah. A little extra complexity and different opportunities and challenges and all that good stuff. That's right. So obviously, as technology changes, your opportunities and challenges change. Um, how is your perspective on what you do? How has that changed? Well, I would say maybe around six years ago, we decided to actually create a niche and focus uh, and focus our brand experience on web design services primarily for B2B and B2B tech, uh, as opposed to the entire broader broad market where we were designing and building anything for anyone. Uh, we took a deep look at what made us unique as an agency. And there was a few things that we saw. One of it was we're in Silicon Valley. Uh, and there's some of the most amazing B2B brands uh, in the world that are just in our backyard. And there's a ton of investment in that space. And we've already worked with a lot of them. So we kind of learned how to solve some of those unique B2B challenges. And over the years, collected a lot of data around 
uh, engagement and lead generation and B2B brand experiences. And we actually could create benchmarks out of these that we could use for our clients. So uh, when we made that shift, we immediately saw a 50% increase in our revenue that first year. And having that niche really allowed our entire organization focus, you know, focus both as a business and focus our conversations with our clients. It all just became a lot more strategic when we did that. Nice. All right. So increased engagement, increased lead generation, I imagine conversion, all of it allowed you to increase your focus and it increased revenue by 50%. Those are all, those are all super positive things. So yeah. Yeah. Why, why do people come to you? Um, I think there's a couple things. One is that B2B focus is an important thing. So we actually focus on the nuances of what makes a B2B versus B2C different, where B2C is looking for a single customer to make a purchase on a credit card using the checkout process. Uh, on a B2B experience or a website, it has much higher price points, right? Sometimes tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars, uh, million dollar investments sometimes, uh, which require longer sales cycles, more education, different personas that are making the buying decisions um, and that need buy-in. So I think us understanding that and from there trying to provide best practices around engagement and lead generation and uh, content needs and user flows and, you know, marketing technology integrations. I think that's where our, that's where our focus is. That's where our strength is, where we can help our clients. Uh, the other thing I would say is a lot of B2B brands and websites forget that at the end of the day, you're dealing with people, not some arbitrary logo or name. Like it's easy, really easy to say, IBM did this and Salesforce is doing this, but really the decision makers are people behind those logos, right? Or behind those names. So where a lot of brands go wrong, B2B brands go wrong is they start talking really in depth about features and functionality and how great they are and not necessarily focus on creating and building a relationship with the people that are making that decision, right? And that's that's where we can help. We help you focus on creating the relationship while keeping track of all the different buyer personas that you have, right? So again, for B2B, you have folks that are using the technology on a day-to-day basis, and you also have CIOs and CTOs that are making a decision on whether this million-dollar investment is right for me or not, right? So. And they all they all have inherently different content needs and call to action needs. So, really focusing on building those relationships with those various buyer personas and solving their individual pain points, as opposed to saying my product does this, this, and this. Right. So, really helping organizations focus on people to generate trust uh, and having an authentic voice doing all that. Got it. I think that that makes a lot of sense. So talking about best practices, talking about educating your your client on how it's going to work to do a better job educating their customers and their end users and everybody else. How often do you run into people that say, well, yeah, that all sounds good, but this is the way we've always done it? Um, all the time. 
<laughs> no. Well, I shouldn't say all the time. There's definitely folks that have loud voices that want to do things a certain way. Right. And what we can do is we come at, we come from it from a really with a data background, really looking at so one of the things that we do is we uh, we do a report on Fortune 500 large, largest B2B tech companies in the world and we start studying their um, we break down each of one of their home pages around design, functionality, navigation, content, all of that, and really start finding best practice data that correlates with higher engagement. So we're coming at it from a data perspective, not necessarily an opinion perspective. So all we can do is provide them that. At the end of the day, some decision makers, it's their site, they're paying for it. If they wanna put the uh, door for that side on the roof instead of in the front of the house, then that's up to them, right? Let them do that. But what we come from a data background, we try to give them all the data for them to make the right decision. Yeah, I appreciate that. Are there certain things that that have, well, you talked about how it's so important, even though you are dealing with these large B2B companies, and that's how that that, that is your focus and where your expertise lies. But has it always been true that you need to keep your message rooted in the fact that we're talking to people? Is that more true today than it ever has been? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, especially with folks being distributed, not everyone being, I mean, even internally within a company's culture, I think it's important to keep that in mind. So yeah, I would say 100% agree with it's more important now than it's ever been. Yeah. And I, you know, it's, I, I imagine that it, there's just more, there are more probably companies that you're competing with. There are more potential clients and the internet. Is it possible that the internet gets too crowded? There's a lot of noise, that's for sure. And so to your point, actually having that clear messaging where you're talking to people and you're really focusing on building that relationship with that person as opposed to being part of the noise is important. The other part of it is actually having an authentic voice, right? Not just saying what everybody else is saying, but what's really unique about you and uh, why that person should care. So it's more important now as it's, it's, we're flooded with thousands of B2B SaaS companies all doing very similar things with small minor differences, all with a blue colored logo and trying to get your attention, right? So um, it's more important now than ever to be authentic and talk to people as opposed to just throwing out features. Right. Yeah. What a what a unique opportunity and challenge you have trying to get these massive, wildly successful companies to inject personality and authenticity and helping them to sort of craft and refine that as well. Cause it's not necessarily easy for I think that we talked about IBM at some point for IBM to all of a sudden somehow make this massive enterprise brand human and and authentic. And you know, what's interesting is we do these reports where it actually proves that if you do do some of these best practices, it does improve engagement on your site, right? So there's data behind it. So if you're actually 
if you follow some of these best practices and you know you you have the authentic voice you have a brand that stands out you you're you have a narrative that connects and resonates with the people that are coming to the site and then you start measuring that against how how long the person spent on that website versus a different site you start seeing differences so and IBM can choose to say, everybody already knows who I am, so I don't care. Or they can look at the data and say, okay, if I make these changes, it's actually going to increase my engagement and eventually sales and lead generation and all that. So uh, that's what's cool about actually looking at it from a data perspective, which we do. Yeah, fascinating, right? Because certainly you do need to talk about narrative, but then you also need to be able to back it up with actual data and facts and information. So I, I appreciate that. I'm sure that your customers, your clients appreciate that as well. What would be your advice to, to companies who are listening that maybe aren't quite as big as IBM? So most companies that are out there and they're trying to figure out what that authentic voice is or how they should more be more giving or more human in, in the way that they're interacting. And we don't necessarily just work with large organizations, uh, but I think kind of taking a deep critical look at yourself and start looking at the, your why, you know, why you're doing this, uh, what you're doing, how you're doing this and who you're doing it for. I think if once you establish those things, then it's easier for you to come up with a message that's resonating and it's authentic, right? And you're not trying to be someone else. I think you need to look inward and really try to figure out what makes you different. Kind of like what we did as an agency, right? At some point we have to decide, you know, what is, why web inertia, right? Versus anybody else. So um, I think that is an important exercise. It, it turns into, it can turn into a messaging exercise or branding exercise, whatever that is. But really having that foundation will allow you to have that authentic voice with the, with the folks. You know, what's really me? Am I a fun uh, conversationalist or am I a very educational teaching voice? I mean, those are all things where every company is different. So, um, but it all starts with the who, how, what. Nice. Yeah, I think that that, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I feel like, that's a place that we are as a, as a country and as communities and as individuals right now are trying to ask a lot of questions. So probably a good, not necessarily time of year, but just a good time for us to be re, or sort of revisiting and, and, and questioning a lot of these things. I imagine a big challenge is just making sure that everybody on the team of, of, of the leadership team of, of your clients, making sure that they're all feeling like they're having their voices heard and that they're getting input into this process is really important. Yeah. And we have processes that are specifically geared for that, where we even evaluating who we're talking to and what's the best way for us to talk to them, right? Instead of just running everyone through a cookie cutter process, because we'll talk to an organization where they'll say, hey, we're great at getting everybody in the same room and doing a little, doing a workshop where we can hear everyone. And we'll, we'll talk to some other organizations. They'll say, well, if we do that, we have one really loud voice that everyone else stops talking when he or she is talking, right? So at that point, we may decide to do individual interviews. But so there's some nuances around 
getting everyone's feedback as well. But we have processes. I think it's really important for us that we get that feedback directly to our designers and engineers that are working as opposed to filtering it through uh, someone else. So uh, we like creating these workshops where um, our designers can ask questions for San if they can, uh, really break down the project into the business context, why we're doing this project from, from every stakeholder's perspective. Um, what, what is every stakeholder's goals, and then try to bring all that together to a, to a strategy to move forward uh, based on what we can and can't do at that point. Yeah, I love it. Well, Steve, the people are ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Um, I would say do work that you love, and if you can't, at least find something that you love and what you do and work hard at it, and success will come. Well, I think that that is great stuff that definitely gets to come up. Do work that you love. If you can't find what you can find something that you love in the work that you're doing. I think that that's awesome. Yeah. And again, something that we all should be taking more time to think about. So appreciate it. Well, Steve, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? Tell us the kind of companies that you are doing a great job for and how they can connect with you. So, you can reach us by going to our website, www.webinertia, that's W-E-B-E-N-E-R-T-I-A.com, or search for Web Inertia on pretty much any social media platform. We're on all of them. Uh, we typically work with uh, mid to enterprise size uh, B2B organizations or startups that are funded. Um, and yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Excellent. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Steve your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to webinertia.com. That's W-E-B-E-N-E-R-T-I-A.com. Find them on social media. List all those in the notes of the show. Thanks again, Steve. All right. Take care, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together.